0: I have this one recurring dream, uh, a nightmare, if you will. Uh, I, can't reha- I can't recall having um, too many dreams that I've had actually more than once, but this one particular dream I've had at least 10 times, and I have uh, no idea why. Uh, it's about the summer job that I had when I was uh, in college. Uh, in the summers, I would uh, come home from school, and in East Central Minnesota, I worked as a DJ at KBK 95.5 FM. Uh, <laughs> It's actually not as cool as it sounds. Uh, we played oldies and uh, light rock, a lot of Beach Boys and Whitney Houston. Uh, and we gave weather updates uh, four times an hour. Uh, and we did uh, the news at the, at the top of every hour. And even if my shift, and usually I would work the evening shift, so I, I, my shift was like 6 p.m. to 11 p.m., even if it started at 6, I had to be there like 20 to 30 minutes early to print off all of the news reports and begin a practicing, and I have to set up, you know, the news sound effects and all that uh, sort of thing. Well, in my dream, I'm sitting in the DJ chair, and I'm watching the clock right above the computer just tick down the final seconds to the top of the hour, where at the top of the hour I was always supposed to say KBK 95.5 FM, Mora, Cambridge, Malacca, Princeton, Bram, And you. With the latest in international, national, state, and local news, I'm David Sorn. and uh, which, if we had a recording of that, oh, that would be just embarrassing. Anyway, uh, so I'm I supposed to say I'm supposed to say you know start the news, and I I finish and I say and you, and in my dream I blank out, and I realized. Huh? I didn't get there early. I didn't print off any of the news reports. I have nothing in front of me. It's time to talk, and it's just dead air. And I'm completely unprepared, and I wake up. Nightmarish. Uh, I I know. I get it. It's not a nightmare. I'm not being chased by an axe murderer, right? Uh, Marie Kondo's not chasing me, telling me to throw all my stuff away. Like it's It's not like a creepy nightmare or something, right? But... To me, it's this awful feeling of I'm supposed to be prepared, I'm supposed to be ready, and I'm not. And today, as we jump back into studying the book of Luke, Jesus is going to talk about being ready at all times. Now, I know a ton of you are new uh, from this fall, uh, but one of the things about our church is We spend about half of every year just going verse by verse through a particular book of the Bible. Uh, And we are in the midst of, usually it takes us about a year to do that, depending on the book, but we are in the midst of a three-year journey uh, through the book of Luke. We started back in March of 2018, and now we're at chapter 12 of Luke, which is a halfway The book. There's 24 uh, chapters if you don't like math. Okay, Uh, when we last left off at the end of summer, we were in the middle of this sort of extended discourse where Jesus teaches on some really, really heavy topics. Uh, And today won't be very different. Uh, If you think, if you never read the Bible, if you think Jesus only really talks about puppies, flowers, and forgiveness all the time, I challenge you to actually read the Bible for yourself. Uh, People have so many misconceptions about Jesus Christ. One of the best things you can do is take a Bible... And just begin reading it read this book in the bible read the book of luke for yourself investigate who god really is in fact if you don't have a bible you just take the one under your chair with you today and start reading this book speaking of the bibles under your chair will you grab it uh we're going to be on page 846 today Uh, or you can use the uh, renovation church app Uh, just tap a bible and weekly verses especially when we go verse by verse through a book like this it's really helpful to have the word of god in front of you in some sort of capacity um, just for recollection's sake, since I know it's been a while since we've been in Luke, uh, we just came out of two sections in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus told us, uh, one, not to be greedy, and two, not to worry— In other words, we're not really supposed to let our minds be so fixated on the things of this world, but we're supposed to focus our minds on the heavenly things, on the things of the next world, and he's going to point our eyes to that again. So we are in Luke 12, and we are now in uh, verse 35, as we ended at verse 34, now back at the end of the summer. Okay, here's what Jesus says. He says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will come at an hour when you do not expect him. All right, let's pause there for a second. Okay, so in this parable, Jesus is the master, and we, the people of earth, are his servants. And Jesus says the master is coming back. So one day, Jesus, the Bible teaches, will come back on the clouds and wrap up life on earth as we know it. But the challenge is, none of us know when that will be. In fact, Jesus even says in this passage, it'll kind of be like a thief coming in the night. Like if the owner knew what time the thief was coming, well then he'd be ready but the reality is we're just not going to know. And because we're not going to know, then we need to be ready like Jesus could come back at any moment. And so the first question really to you this morning as you read the word is, are you ready? If Jesus came back tonight, December 15th, are you ready? If Jesus came back on Friday night this week, are you ready? And, and if he came back, what would he find you doing? Would it be God-honoring? Would you be embarrassed? Would you say you're not spiritually ready yet? Would he find you just wasting your life away in some Hallmark Christmas movie binge? Like, what, what's Jesus going to find when he comes back? I like the imagery of verse 36. If you have it in front of you, glance at that again. He says that when the master returns, we should be like servants waiting by the door. So just sort of looking out. Is he here yet? Is he here? Up here, open the door. Just immediately able, he says, to open the door. They're ready. But I think this is challenging, right? Because it's hard to be ready. Because intellectually, you can say, okay, well, it's already been 2,000 years. So what's to say that it's not another 2,000 years? Okay, Jesus knows that we're going to think this. And this is exactly why he says in verse 38. So look at verse 38 in front of you. He says that you need to be ready Even if the master doesn't come back until the middle of the night. In fact, he even says, even if it's almost daybreak. So that's like when the people of the world are going, oh, he's never coming back. Should still be ready. We need to be awake, spiritually ready for the master to come home. Listen, even if all of America begins to fall asleep spiritually, as true disciples of Jesus, we need to be ready. Ready? Because none of us know how much time that we really have. Uh, I read an article uh, just the other day, actually, about a guy in Chicago who, after this thaw from a major snowstorm they had, he had this—you ever have this at your house? Like, it wasn't just an icicle, but they had, like, a thick sheet of ice hanging off the edge of his house. And he thought to himself, okay, that's not good because my car is parked right under that sheet of ice. And he writes this in the article. He said, I saw this. I was well aware but even so, I did nothing. He said, well, I didn't do anything because our driveway, he said, is this long driveway where it's just single file of four cars. And he lived in Chicago. So he said, if they park one of the cars on the street, they actually had to get permission from the police. He said, yes, it could happen, but it's just going to be too much work for it to happen for me to move all the stuff to prepare for it. He said, besides, I've lived in this house for 20 years and nothing has ever fallen on one of my cars. Do you see all the justification that he's doing? All the rationalization. Yes, it could happen, but let me give you A, B, and C why it's not going to happen. And then he writes this. He says, the next morning, I went out uh, to the car to leave for work, and I looked up, and the glacier was, he called it a glacier in the article. The glacier, this massive sheet of ice, was still there, but I thought to myself, I'd you know, kind of check my app. Looks like it's going to freeze again overnight, so again, it's, I'll be fine. On well, the third day, he wakes up, he notices that the temperature is warming up a little bit, and he looks at all the cars, and he looks at his watch and goes, oh man, if I move all of these cars just to move the one that's in front, that's going to take me five to ten minutes. I'm going to be late for this meeting at work. Oh, it's just too much work. And so he goes. He goes off to work. Well, his wife comes out a couple of minutes later. She looks up. You know, you can see it's kind of the the, the moisture dripping off of it as it's warming up. And she thinks, oh, "I gotta, I got to move these cars. And then to her mind, she thinks they were hosting a party later that night. She thinks, there's so much stuff I've got to do inside to get my house ready. So she goes back inside. Well, three minutes later, she hears a crash. She runs outside, and that sheet of ice fell off her house and went right through the windshield of her car. And I appreciate that story, because when you, when you think about it, it's a perfect illustration of all the things that we know to be true yet we just can't seem to get ourselves to act on. I mean, even if you're not 100% sure that Jesus is coming back someday, which I encourage you to trust the scriptures, which assure you that he is, certainly you must agree that you're going to die someday. In fact, let's do a poll, okay? We're going to do a show of hands. Even if you don't like raising your hand in a crowd, just play along, Okay. How many of you believe that you are going to die someday? Okay, raise your hand if you believe. Okay, now keep your hands up if you agree that you don't know when that day will be. And keep your hands up if you believe at least that it's theoretically possible that it could be tomorrow. Look at this. We have full agreement. All right, you can put your hands down. We know that the ice is going to fall. But we assure ourselves that it won't be today. In fact, we say it can't be today. And then we say, and besides, you know, if I kind of prepared for that, that would just take a lot of work. I mean, there's a lot of people I gotta talk to. I gotta get right with the Lord. I gotta, I just, that's just a lot of work. And so what we do as humans is we just sort of kick the can a little farther down the road and we say, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll get right with the Lord again. Some of you have been saying tomorrow for five years or ten years. But you never do anything. One of the things I want to tell you from this passage is there is a blessing to getting right with the Lord, to getting serious about God again, as living like Jesus could come in any moment. There's a blessing to doing that now. Look at verse 37 again. This is a fascinating verse. Jesus says, It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he, he's talking about the master here, will dress himself to serve and will have them, the servants, recline at the table and will come and wait on them. This is a remarkable verse in the Bible. Jesus is saying those servants that are ready for the master to return, they're still following Christ when he comes, that they will be served by the master himself. That's incredible. Uh, We're told of even more rewards as the passage continues. So look now to verse 41. We're going to keep reading. Peter, as one of the disciples, asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? Verse 42. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful? Jesus never answers uh, people's questions directly, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them food, give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Okay, so the servant who's found serving the master, he's doing the right thing when the master returns, will be blessed upon the master's return. So this is sort of a weird thing to figure out in the Bible. So we know that we are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ in dying for us. We're not saved by our good deeds, but there is this theme all throughout the New Testament that those who keep serving, who are ready, who keep following Christ with a passion and a dedication, that they will be richly rewarded, in eternal life. And those who kind of let their lives just drift away, they're just lost in spiritual mediocrity, they're just really, yeah, they're a Christian, but they're kind of focused on building their own kingdom, not the kingdom of God, or they're the type of person that's always asking God to do something for them, but they're never actually doing anything for him. That if they're a believer, yes, heaven will be theirs, Christ will be theirs, they will be saved, but the reward is not the same. And you'll see as the passage continues that the flip side of that is also true. Just as there are earthly and eternal rewards of being ready, there are earthly and eternal, what we'll call curses, and I'll explain that a little bit, for not being ready. So look at verse 45. Here's where it starts to get really challenging. Jesus says, But suppose the servant says to himself, "Ah, My master is taking a long time in coming. A lot of people think this about Christ, right? He's not coming back. And he, the servant, then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers." So we saw in verse 42, this servant, he was supposed to be taking care of the other servants. He's supposed to be distributing the food, looking out for their welfare, serving other people. That's our role here on earth. God has put us here as servants to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And yet this servant, he does no such thing, right? Instead, he eats all the food. He just drowns himself in sin and excess. He gets drunk, And what happens is, in living completely for himself and his own pleasure, his world just begins to unravel, even starts oppressing and beating other people around him. I actually think this verse is a lot deeper than many people think it is. Because there's a great parallel here to the human condition when people come to the wrong conclusions about Christ. Like, when people think that Jesus is either, A, a long time in coming, or B, they don't think that he's even real, or C, they somehow think that Jesus, well, is just going to be forced to forgive all of their injustices, no matter what they do. When people live like that, what happens is you begin to live for yourself. Or as Paul once oh so brilliantly put it to Timothy, he said this in 2 Timothy. He said, for the time will come, When people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And let me tell you, culture after culture after culture in history has unraveled under this very pattern. Where we let go of this idea that there's a right and wrong. We let go of this idea that there is a, we are sinners and we need a savior. And instead, to sort of suit our own desires, to live how we want to live, to eat and drink what we want to do, to sleep with whoever we want, whenever we want, to oppress and take control of whomever we want, we create our own truths as a society to the tune that our itching ears want to hear. And when humanity does that, their culture unravels in a few generations. Here's the basic sense of this whole passage. It's this, when you live as if Jesus could come back at any moment, blessings actually will come into your life both here on earth and in the next life but when you live as if jesus is a long way off or he's not coming at all we don't get blessings we actually get curses if you read the old testament it speaks in this sort of language deuteronomy especially the blessings and the curses of following the law and moral will of god when you're not following god's ways and instead you're choosing sin what happens is you see this in galatians where you reap what you sow and what you, when you sow sin and selfishness into your life, you will reap havoc and destruction. That's the curse of not following in God's ways. So just think this through. Look at the difference as we compare this. If a Christian is actually living like Jesus could come back at any moment, what, I mean, what if you live the next 30 days of your life like Jesus could come back at the end of the hour? Well, I mean, what would your life look like I mean, you would be constantly thinking about other people. you think, oh, I've got to call my mom. i got to make this right. i got to make this amend at work. i got to tell this person that I love them. I, I need to tell this person about Jesus. Your, your heart would just be thinking about others. When you live as if Jesus comes back at any moment, you're loving and serving other people. And you know what? When you do that, there is a tremendous blessing in your life for that. But if a person lives like there's no second coming of Christ, what happens is instead of looking upward at Jesus, you start looking downward into yourself. And we just want more and more sin. You're not living for eternity. You're living for right now, right? This is YOLO. You only live once. And so I might as well just bring as much sin and pleasure into my life as I can. And if you do that, your life just begins to unravel. This is why the Bible talks actually a decent amount in the New Testament about the second coming of Christ. Not only because it's going to happen, because it's actually imperative that you put your mind on that often, because that's how you live in the blessing and not the curse. And Christians in the room, listen to me. If you interpret this passage wrongly, this this passage can actually be quite uh, dismaying to you. Because some of you, you've maybe read this passage right now and you've been thinking this like the last 15 minutes you've been thinking oh man like i'm glad jesus didn't come back yesterday because like last night i was just screaming at my that just would have been super embarrassing like hey jesus i'm sorry right i'm glad jesus didn't come back yesterday because yesterday was the day that i went back to the bottle i'm glad jesus didn't come back yesterday because honestly the last six months i've just been wasting my life away again and so there's a temptation as a Christian to read this passage and go, all right, all right, okay. Jesus could come back at any time, and so I better, I better, uh, I better get good again. I better clean my life up and get good again so I'm good when he comes back. But listen, Jesus is in Santa Claus. Right, this is an elf on a shelf. If Jesus comes back tomorrow... You're not gonna be able to hold up your recent list of good deeds to him. You're not gonna be able to say, hey, Jesus, I see you coming on the clouds, but before you get all the way down, I, just, I, would, I would like to point out to you that the last couple of weeks I've actually been staying up 10 minutes later to read my Bible. Jesus, I would like you to know that the last couple of weeks I haven't missed house groups once. Jesus, I would like you to know that the last couple of weeks I, 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 I've curtailed my, my cursing and my, my swearing. Jesus, I am ready. Listen, when Jesus comes back, your good deeds will not save you from God's holy wrath and justice. We know that as Christians, but sometimes I think when we think of it this way, we think, well, I better be good again. I better earn my way. It doesn't work like that. The only thing that will save you from God's judgment is the blood of Christ. The only thing that you can hold up over yourself as Jesus comes back, the only thing that you can cover yourself with is the blood of Christ. The fact that Jesus shed his blood on the cross to die for you. And the Bible teaches that if you believe in that, that he takes his righteousness, his perfection, his holiness, and he covers you with it so that when he sees you, he sees forgiveness, not guilty. That's the only thing you can cover your life with. And so when you think about him coming back, don't go, oh, I better get good again. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. And so, yeah, he's going to come back. Yes, you need to get serious about him again because your life could be over tomorrow. But don't try and earn your way back to him. That's not the teaching of Christianity. You get serious about God again by getting serious about the gospel again. By living each day in his radical mercy and forgiveness and love. And that keeps you ready. That keeps you focused. That's what allows you to draw near to him. To be ready to open the door for him. Right? It's the fact where you really let your mind concentrate on. Seriously. You forgave me? You saw what I did this week. And knowing that, you went to the cross for me? You love me? You can't stop thinking about me? It's that that forgiveness, it's that mercy that gets your heart going. It's that sort of love that gets a servant to look out the window saying, Is my master coming? I can't wait to see my master. Is he coming? I'm going to be ready because I love him. But if you live your life going, oh, the master's coming back, he could be back, so he better be ready, start pretending like we're good again, start sweeping up, that's not the gospel. That's not, you, you don't understand Christianity if that's where your mind goes. And then we can't miss the end of this passage either. We can't miss the full weight of this passage. For those of you who are believers, it's really been saying, don't, don't, Don't fall into this earthly curse of living like Jesus is a long way off. It'll be do you no good. But for those of you in this room who haven't fully surrendered your life to Christ, I pray that you realize that this teaching of Jesus affects not only your life here on earth, but eternal life as well. As I said in the beginning, I think sometimes people have this idea that Jesus only speaks of of puppies and rainbows and such But we see, as Jesus just said in verse 46, that if he comes back or your life ends and you haven't surrendered your life to the master, then you will be assigned a place with the unbelievers, which means hell. See, one of the reasons that we do this about half the year and we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible is because you just would never cover these verses if you said, hey, let's do a series on whatever, pick a topic. You uncover verses like these next two. These are the final two verses of the morning, 47 and 48. Jesus says, The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready, they know what to do, and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now, although this isn't talked about hardly ever uh, in churches, I think we need to address this. Two times now in three chapters, uh, we've seen Jesus teach on different levels of suffering in hell. Uh, the first was in uh, Luke 10. We covered this at the very beginning of the summer in a, in a message t- where we talked about, do you like Jesus or do you love Jesus? In Luke 10, 14, Jesus said this, but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And so Jesus was saying to his audience that Tyre and Sidon, these uh, cities that didn't follow God, they... they unlike the people listening to Jesus, they didn't have the truth presented right in front of them and then still reject God. And so therefore, hell will be easier. It will be more bearable for those particular cities. And now we're told again, just two chapters later in chapter 12, that the servant who knows what he's supposed to do and doesn't do it, that when punishment comes, he will be beaten with many blows. Now, I don't mean to scare you, but I mean to scare you. He's talking about people like Americans. People who've heard Jesus' message. They're familiar with it. This is not a passage for people who live in North Korea, or people who live in the Middle East. He's talking about the person who sits in church and has heard the good news that Jesus died on the cross for them, will forgive them, and yet says, nah, my time is still a long ways off. That ice glacier is not gonna fall on me for quite some time. And besides, it would just take a whole lot of work to kind of you know, change my life and surrender and all that. If that's you, and you keep saying to yourself, I know it, I get it, I need his forgiveness, but I just don't need to do this right now. I would just say to you so so clearly this morning, my friend, you do not know when the master is returning. You do not know when your time is up. You don't know. Like I said when I talked about my dream at the beginning, there is no worse feeling than the time coming and you're not ready. So be ready. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you need to accept his forgiveness, then do it. Don't put it off another day because you don't know if you have another day. He died on the cross for your sins in your place. He can forgive you if you accept it. And it doesn't matter how long you've been running. It doesn't matter how long you've been putting it off, how many mistakes you've made along the way. And you don't even have to make it all up by being good because you'd never even be able to. But you can make it up by believing that Jesus Christ died in your place and becoming his followers. And so if that's you, you know you just need to surrender. You know you need to be forgiven. You know you need to go to heaven What I want you to do is before you go to sleep tonight, don't let your head hit the pillow. I want you to just get by right next to your bed, get on your knees, and just say to the Lord, say, God, I just accept you into my life. I surrender to you. I believe you died on the cross for me, and I want to become your follower, and he will come into your life, and he will forgive you, because it's never too late. There's a blessing when we realize that Jesus could come at any moment. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, no matter how far we've been running, that you still have mercy on us, that you forgive us. God, we ask for forgiveness right now for living like our master is a long way off. God, teach us to live like you could come at any moment. May we be the ones, Father, that are looking out the window, awaiting with love and anticipation for your return. God, as we worship you now, may we just pour out our hearts and praise for your mercy on our lives. In your name we pray, amen.